Hey, Gabriel Ogin here. Welcome back to the Go Coaching Podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurial-minded people, sometimes in their own business, sometimes working for their companies or whatever. But today, I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to talk to you about um, a very special person, Jessica Franco, who has been in the charter school business, uh, consulting of charter schools, working a lot with people who are homeschooled and the parents and the teachers. So welcome to the podcast, Jessica. Thank you for having me, Gabriel. Of course. So tell me, you know, I kind of gave a little intro, but in a nutshell, you do a lot. Like you do a lot from what I know. Give us uh, in a nutshell, what do you do? Well, um, I have the pleasure of serving as the director of operations for a distance learning charter, and I've been in the charter world for almost 10 years now. Um, as far as what I do, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I do a lot. Um, I wear many hats, and one of the, I would say the top thing I do has a lot to, um, it basically encompasses logistics. Okay. So I make sure that the back office um, departments are solidified, that they have processes and policies that make sense and that work in the benefit not only of the um, staff that work there, but, all, but most importantly of the students and their parents. Nice. So logistics is basically the name of the game. Right. Okay. And logistics is um, something that I think uh, most entrepreneurs are not that great at logistics. Um, those who are, or it's not that they're not great at it. They just, most entrepreneurs want to focus on what they do and what they do usually isn't logistics, which is kind of like a blessing in disguise for you, I guess, you know, um, you're an entrepreneur in the specialty of logistics, which is awesome. It's a great combo. So let's get into a few questions that I think will help the listeners to appreciate your journey and maybe even apply some of what you've gone through into their own journey, right? If you could change anything, like if you're happy, great. And if you are, if you're not, what would you change in the industry, in your journey? What changes would you make if you could right now? You know, I think one of the primary changes I would make is definitely um, having those members of senior leadership really take into consideration and um, move forward the ideas of people on the front lines like myself. So even though I'm a director, um, I work for a, a rather small organization and I do have the benefit of being on the front lines with my teams. And usually those people that um, are working with the families know um, the most efficient way of doing things. So a lot of the times with senior leadership, you know, they have a tendency to make overarching decisions that make more sense, maybe um, in terms of finances. Mm -hmm. But um, when it comes to what makes more sense for the clients or the customers or the parents in our, in our case, I think it's very important to consider what, what those, um, those, uh, frontline people have to say mm -hmm. yeah no i get that it's like uh ask it's like when politicians regulate let's say the trucking industry right and they majored in politics and it's like how are you gonna write the legislation and laws for truck drivers when you've never even been out there driving a truck going through the difficulties they know from your desk like it it's just, so what you're saying is listen more to the people going through the motions, 
or like yourself, you're in direct contact with all those people. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Because, you know, happiness is important. And there are some entrepreneurs who have sacrificed their health and sanity and happiness in pursuit of money. And the ones who are truly happy, however, are the ones who have found a way to balance all of the various um, facets in their life. So happy entrepreneurs will more than willing, um, they're more than willing to tell you everything that, that they've been through. So I was kind of, I'm glad that you mentioned you know, the one thing that you think should be changed. So what about, what are some of the mistakes that you wish you could have avoided up until this point? Um, honestly, I, going back to, through uh, my career with this organization, I started from the bottom. So I built a team from scratch. And I think one of the mistakes I could, I wish I could have avoided is um, trial by error. So making all of those little mistakes, instead of um, trying to put out fires, yeah. actually sitting back thinking, you know, with my, um, my entrepreneur hat, looking at things in hindsight and then rolling things out. Because right. a lot of the times, if you roll things out just by putting out the fire, you really miss the little intricate details that avoid frustrations. So I'll give you an example. Um, we rolled out a new enrollment system and it was all done in theory. We didn't have time to test it. We just rolled it out to the parents and you know there were a lot of kinks that could have been avoided if we just had the time to really test them out. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So uh, probably something like, I don't know, just before you roll it out, play it through in your head, almost like a role play, right? Like mm -hmm. what's gonna happen when this rolls out, when this starts yeah. to happen? When you first start a business, you're going to make mistakes and it's unavoidable. Like the fewer mistakes that you make, the better though, right? So you're saying yeah. avoid, uh, tr avoid learning by trial and error in, in your yes. case. Yeah, so, think about the, the customer. So that's my, I think that's our, our number one mistake is that you forget to think about it from their perspective, mm -hmm. not just what makes sense for you. So that, that's one of those um, things that has been very transformative in the organization that I currently serve is just putting that perspective first and going mm -hmm. from there. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. That's, that kind of goes back to listening to the people in the field on the yeah. front lines, right? So Definitely. how did you handle any adversity or doubt like in your journey? How have you handled people doubting you or adversity or whatever? Well, I'm not going to lie. It's very difficult. Um, you know, being one of the younger directors, it can, adversity is something that I face on the daily. And one of the things that has helped put those to rest is just being confident in your abilities. Yeah. You know, knowing that you are an expert in your field, being very professional, being prepared. And um, when you do come forth, come forth with force. So that has really helped me um, overcome that adversity is just being overly prepared and putting forth my best efforts. Mm -hmm. Good. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing you said that sticks out to me is being prepared because when you're prepared, you're that, I mean, it, it, the word itself just tells you that you're ready for whatever may come, right? Take right. all the tools you might need. And if you end up needing just one tool, you're prepared, you're ready. And if people run their business that way, instead of running into a situation and then scrambling for tools, makes no sense. And I, I think I could see how people can do that. 
so how do you plan on growing your position, your consulting services, your uh, whatever it is you're doing? How do you plan to grow it? Um, definitely pushing forth a little bit, just more marketing efforts on my side. I think that there are a lot of businesses, not only charters, but just businesses in general, like you mentioned, that struggle with logistics. Yeah. And it can really save you. Um, it's just kind of putting forth that idea of how much is logistics costing you? Um, logistics can be, it's a very vague word, but it can be anything from having a system that makes sense for your business, having um, procedural manuals, just mm -hmm. a bunch of different things that most entrepreneurs don't have the time to do, but they're very essential. So I think in my case, it's definitely putting forth that idea. You know, it's, this is what I can do. Um, I'm very good at it. <laughs> and, um, you know, what can I do to help get your business to that next level? Right. Can you think of a quick example of how logistics helped something move forward in the recent, in your recent time? Yeah, definitely. So um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I know I've, I've helped um, you with a few minor logistics, um, I would say projects mm -hmm. that I know have kind of helped streamline your business. And they have been very simple from creating a spreadsheet, you know, that's, that's user friendly, that captures the data that you want, that's helpful. Mm -hmm. So something like that that can maybe take me an hour may take the next person a few hours to develop just because they have to learn the process from a to z Absolutely. so so it's something like i said it's very simple it's it's something i specialize in but i know it can be very helpful to take um take those businesses to the next level and, and help yeah. them focus on what really matters which mm -hmm. is the customer and the things they like to do absolutely well yeah i didn't want to shamelessly plug myself into my own show <laughs> But yeah, you, when you did that for me, it, it took out a lot, exactly what you said. Everything I was trying to gather from clients, from, from the enrollment to the onboarding to the collection of data, it has literally saved me so much time that it has increased my own coaching business. So that alone um, is probably one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show. So thank you very much for that. Uh, mm -hmm. One thing I think in just like in the real estate world, I, have, I coach realtors, financial planners, um, insurance people, just a lot of independent contractors that, uh, that are business to consumer sales. See, realtors, when they get a sale, it goes into what they call escrow. And they, many of them, to avoid paying a transaction coordinator, a fee of 300, 500, whatever they charge, to avoid paying that fee, they try to handle the transaction all on their own. And yeah, it's possible, but you could probably do um, maybe one or two a month, maybe three a month on your own without the help of a transaction coordinator. And I mean that like without going crazy, without sacrificing your family time, your days off, your health, without sacrificing lead generation, business development, um, all the other things that come with real estate, all because you wanna save 300 bucks when you're losing thousands and thousands of dollars because you're not getting the deals you're, you're missing out on because you wanna be in control of the transaction, right? So it's, it's right along the lines of what you do for people. So for anybody listening out there, if you're in real estate, please, use a transaction coordinator and if it's something that is you know in, in the insurance business get an assistant 
uh, realtors, get an assistant, financial planners, get an assistant. I think financial planners, probably out of all the people I coach, they get that the most. They all have a fin uh, an assistant or somebody in the office that helps. So when you built your team to shift gears a little bit, uh, what, I mean, this is such a vague question, but how did you build your team? Because I know you built it from scratch and you built it really big and you're really good at it. How'd you do it? Um, honestly, it, it really started with selecting the right uh, people for the team. You know, you have to find yeah. those that align with um, the same vision that you have as well. Because if you're constantly um, butting, head, butting heads, you know, you're going to waste a lot of time trying Absolutely. to justify one another. So the first thing is the people. You got to get the right people on your team. Mm -hmm. Next, you have to have a goal and share it with them. Mm -hmm. So our goal at the moment was to build a team that would generate tons and tons of enrollment. So once I shared that goal with my team, we had an idea of where we were, where we were headed. And um, we, from that point on, I just started building procedures, analyzing the systems and designing um, instructions that made sense. Because I think a lot of businesses struggle with um, not only just building the process, but handing it off to somebody else so that, you know, if you're the business owner, you can focus on what you specialize in, whether it's talking to people, getting out there and marketing, whatever it is, mm -hmm. but they, they know the system and they don't know how to hand it off. So having like an actual process that is set in stone, um, along with systems that make sense and are user friendly, we built that from scratch. And within a year, we went from maybe... 900 enrollments to a little over 3,000. Wow. Um, yeah. And honestly, and I can't, it doesn't contribute just to me, um, but it's having the right team and the systems and processes that make sense and that are easy to understand. Mm -hmm. What about, what if you walked into a situation where they, you know, you got a consulting job for a team and there was a sour apple that kept anchoring down, slowing the team down, interrupting. How would you handle that? You know, it's actually happened to me with, with one of my teams because the thing about working for somebody else is you don't necessarily always get to select your, your team. Sometimes they get handed to you and you might get one of those sour apples. So I've definitely had my experience with that and um, it's not fun. But one of the um, tactics that has worked for me is just pulling that person aside and having a, a very real conversation about what the issue is, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, they don't believe in your theories, whether it's they just don't like you, whatever it is, just kind of getting on, on that um, head on so that there are no misunderstandings and just coming to terms with the fact that you need to have a professional relationship. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in a situation where you work for a larger organization, you really have to get along um, professionally. It, it can vary depending on what kind of business situation. When you're an entrepreneur, I think you have a little more flexibility to kind of cut that person off. Yeah. Um, but definitely um, talking about it, coming to terms with it, and then just finding some sort of common ground so that you can work together, mm -hmm. at least professionally. It doesn't mean you right. have to have lunch with the person, but... But being able to get some stuff done um, is beneficial for both of you. That's right. That's good. Good answer. I like that. Um, well, let's, what about, um, what are your thoughts on retiring? <laughs> I love retirement. Um, <laughs> 
um, honestly, retirement, I think um, generally people think of retirement when they're 62 plus and they don't think of it like a lifestyle, like something that can happen now. And retirement yeah. just means that you're living debt free. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean you have to sell your home and vacation and cobble for the rest of your life. Right. It's just, um, it's something that's very real, that is achievable and you you can do it now if you really put your mind to it. So for me personally, it's a goal. Um, yeah. you know, the sooner the better, goal, right? Yeah, the sooner the better. I, my goal was to retire in the next five years. Good. That's, I like that. Um, I know I threw that side curve in there because I just thought about retirement when you, you said something that triggered retirement in my head. But back to your team building and leadership, how can I, now I'm asking you, how can I be a good leader? <laughs> you know what, um, one of the, I think one of the strategies of leadership is definitely that you, you can't fake it, you know, you can't, yeah, for sure, you can't fake leadership, no, but um, personally, what I admire and what I like to implement with my own teams is being a person that does what they say they do, and that practices what they preach, so um, I know you talked a little bit about real estate, but if you, um, and I know a little about it, so if you um, are telling your team, you know, to practice scripts and go door knocking and um, be very professional, it's something that you should be exhibiting as well. Mm -hmm. Because um, people, they don't um, respect what you say, they respect what you do. Mm -hmm. And that, that's something that is very um, evident, even in children, right? You can tell them not to do something, but if you show them, they'll follow. Yeah. So, so I think for leadership, it's, if you want to build respect and build a connection with your teams, be a person that's honest, that you, you know, that is very humble, that does what they say they're going to do and mm -hmm. also follows their own instruction. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. I like that. And you know, that, that's funny that you say that because you know, I, I coach people in different industries, right. And they, sometimes I have to like bring them back and go, my, I prospect too. I'm just not calling homeowners and people who want to buy insurance and right. financial planning. I'm calling people who want coaching. That's right. my prospecting. That's my presentation. That's my sale, right? Mm -hmm. Getting people to sign up for my coaching program. But yeah, I totally agree. Like, uh, I mean, some, in some cases, some people have it a little different. Like there's other coaching companies or leaders that they've never sold one house and they're teaching realtors or they've never done the one thing. And it's, I think people don't understand the, the difference between like a coach and a consultant. A consultant is more what you do. Expertise in a certain field. Right. I can ask you a complex question about what your industry and you'll give me the answer. Coaching is more of business development, general prospecting, uh, you know, marketing, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So Definitely. that's something that I run into all the time. But, um, so what about, uh, let's talk about your experience with failures and success. Let's go with failures. How about that? Have you experienced failure and what did you learn from it? Definitely. <laughs> in, um, in almost 10 years of working in education, um, failures are inevitable. They're, they help you grow. Um, you have found a way not to do something and it gives you a chance to go from there and find the right way. So I would say, um, yes, I've experienced failure. Um, the difference between 
I think the difference with, with many people and advancing through failures is just their, their, um, their reaction to it. You know, what, what do they take from it? So, mm-hmm. you know, we failed <laughs> with many of our system launches, like I mentioned earlier in the years, mm-hmm. without um, having the luxury of being able to test things out because of time constraints we failed, you know, we've had angry parents, angry students, and it's okay. Um, The important thing is that, you know, luckily in our field, nobody's dead, you know, there's no fire. It's all something that you can learn from Mm -hmm. and use it to better the experience and the service that you're going to provide in the following year. I would say I've been um, in this particular organization for uh, six years now. This sixth year is honestly the one where we've mastered what we do, um, at least in my division. Mm -hmm. You know, we were able to provide probably the most efficient systems um, and uh, these services for our families. And actually a lot of charters are coming to us and um, for advice on how to make their own systems more efficient. Mm-hmm. Because all, all of them, even though we're schools, we do function like a business. You know, there's revenue, there's marketing, there's staffing. There's a lot of different uh, pieces just that go along with the business as well. And, um, and a lot of, a lot of um, organizations want to avoid failure as much as possible because mm-hmm. it can be costly. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. I mentioned, it's also an experience and it really does help you become more efficient. Nice. Um, I guarantee if, if um, a failure costs you money, you're not going to make that mistake again. That's right. Yep. I think everybody knows that one. So let's go shift gears a little bit. And I think maybe we'll, we'll end it with this topic because it's something that I feel like you know about by experience, the whole COVID thing, right? How I know for you, it didn't really change much for your students, which is probably really nice for those parents and all those people, everything just kept flowing, right? For most of them versus people that their kids went to school and now they had to be home. And now people are considering putting their kids maybe like in an organization like you um, know about. So what has been your experience so far with this whole COVID thing? Well, honestly, like you mentioned, it hasn't really changed much. So for, um, our, for this particular organization, we, I work for a distance learning charter. Um, it's a very innovative. The scholars can log in from their home and graduate with, from an accredited organization. Um, and there is no face-to-face interaction. It's all done virtually, which is great in the case of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you saw, a lot of the brick and mortars from down the street, you know, around your house, they were struggling. Yeah. They had to come up with a distance learning plan in a really short period of time, and they yep. were scrambling. Yep. And honestly, with charters and distance learning, um, in the past, prior to COVID, there's been so much animosity between charters and brick and mortars because of the fear of losing money. Mm-hmm. Um, let's be honest, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And um, now that COVID came along, I think it's really opened up the doors um, and the minds of those um, people that were against distance learning. It's, you get the benefit of um, furthering your education you know, from the safety or from you know, the safety of your own home in this case, because we're trying to stay COVID free. Right. So nothing much has changed. Um, I know that this whole the COVID movement has honestly, um, it's really shifted gears for education. And I'm really interested to see where it goes um, in the next school year. 
Uh, a lot of things are going to be different meetings. Um, just sorry about that. <laughs> hey, that's working from home problems, right? <laughs> yes. So meetings, um, gatherings, everything's going to be different in education. And um, I think COVID and the future and innovation is just going to make it shift that much more. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, a lot of people that had kids going to school in the brick and mortar, like you say, like, they were miserable. They were like, especially the ones that had to keep going to work, like they didn't get to stay home too. And they were so used to their routine right. and it just mm -hmm. got a wrench thrown in it. So if let's say whether they're schools or businesses or whatever, if people want to reach out to you for um, consultations on logistics, streamlining process, um, how can they find you? Um, my email is the best. So it's my first name, Jessica Franco, R-E at gmail.com. And they can shoot over any questions, even if they just kind of want to, um, talk about potential uh, logistic, you know, consulting, I, I would be more than happy to, to get back to them. Yeah, that sounds really good. Okay, sounds good. Um, well, look, I uh, want to keep it short. I know people are short on attention span nowadays, but thank you so much for all that great information. Um, if we have some time, maybe we can have you back on in the near future, if you'd be okay with that. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for your time. I'll talk to you later, okay? Right, bye.